The following audio is from LifePoint Church, located in O'Fallon, Missouri. For more information about LifePoint Church, visit us online at thelifepointconnection.com. If you have your Bibles, why don't you grab them and go to John 21. Uh, Today, I want to encourage you, everybody needs a Bible today, and so if you don't have a Bible, if you would just simply raise your hand on up. We've got several of those in the back. I don't know if you have it on your phone or iPad or if it's digital or not, but uh, everyone needs a Bible today because I want you to kind of follow along with me as we close out uh, the Gospel of John, and uh, we're going to work through John chapter 21. And so once you get those Bibles, go ahead and grab them, open them up. If you've got one of our Bibles that's coming around, it's actually on page 590 for you. Uh, We put that up there so it's a little easier uh, for you to see and find. Life is uh, complex, and I think maybe the older I'm getting, uh, the older that I'm becoming, uh, the more I realize that life is more complex. And some of you uh, are a little bit older than me, Mike Swearingen. <laughs> and, so, and so wherever you are in your life, Uh, You start to learn that life is uh, uh, somewhat complex, and because we're so busy and because we're going here and going there and doing these complex things that life throws at us, a lot of times we begin to lose kind of the foundation of our faith. We begin to lose uh, somewhere along the line, and we can't really track down or pinpoint. That's the point that I kind of lost something there. Uh, but it, just over time, it steadily we begin to lose some foundation. And the element of the Christian life, the element of faith, is love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is, it is a love for God. Sooner or later, uh, you and I have to begin to evaluate where we are in our love for God, in our love for Christ. I think it is the foundation to our our faith. And so I just want to start this morning with really a simple question, but it is an emotional question. And it's a question that only you can answer because you can't answer it externally. And the question is, where are you at in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Where are you at? Is the most foundational element of our faith Where's, where's your relationship with Jesus Christ right now? Now listen to me. Because I'm not asking you where your relationship is with the church. I'm not asking you where your relationship is and, and your involvement in the church or in some type of small group. I'm not asking you what's your relationship when it comes to doctrine. I'm not asking you how much you know about theology. I'm not asking you how, where you're at with Christian friends or Christian community. I'm asking you where is your relationship right now with Jesus Christ? What is the condition your love for God. Some people say, well, I know about God. I know some things about God. I believe in God. I have faith in God. I even have faith that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that. I trust Christ. I know Christ. But there's so many churchgoers alike that just wane when it comes in their relationship with Jesus. So where is your relationship with Jesus Christ at today? Has your Christian life 
been reduced to activities, what you do in the church for the church, what you do for your Christian brothers and sisters, is, is that the foundation of the level of your walk with God or is it love for Jesus Christ? I think so many times we've reduced this relationship with God with some sort of duty or some set of religious activities and the whole way we kind of look back in our life and say, you know, I don't really know God very much. I know things about him. And so if I were to ask you the question, do you love Jesus? We would say, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, we do. Would you say you love him with all your heart? Yeah. Would you say you love him with all your soul and your mind and your strength? And we would say, well, I certainly desire that. We begin to verbalize our love. But whether or not that flushes out in our lives, that's a different question. So let me ask you, what is the primary mark of a saint in the Old Testament? Not Old Testament scholarship? Okay. Uh, what, uh, what, is, uh, what was the greatest commandment that Jesus gave? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's Deuteronomy 6. Let's look at it. Look at it with me. Deuteronomy 6, 5. I got that one up here. Stay in John 21. That's where we're going to be. Just setting it up. It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. This is a whole soul, wholehearted, whole strength, whole devotion to God. It was consuming every priority in the life of a believer. And if you continue to read through Deuteronomy 6, it says you should teach this to your children. You should teach it to everyone. You should teach it when you walk, when you go to bed, when you rise up. You should do it, uh, write it on your hands. You should write it on your forehead. You should write it on your doorways. You should write it on your doorposts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so listen to me. The foundation to our faith is the love for God. Loving him with everything. It doesn't get more foundational than that. So I'm not asking you what kind of Christian activities you're involved in. I'm not asking you how you engage the church. I'm not asking you what religious duties you do. But where's your relationship with Jesus at right now? In John 21, Peter, he had spent three years with Jesus, maybe more. And we would say that he has an, a, a pretty intense relationship with Jesus, wouldn't we? I mean, he's followed him. He's seen him. I mean, he, he knew that he was God in the flesh. He saw uh, miracles that he did. I mean, he even called him. He says, who do you say I am? And Peter was quick to say, you're the son of God. You're the Messiah. And so, and so here's the deal. Is Peter had a supernatural relationship. He saw his miracles. He saw his power. He saw that he taught with authority. I mean, you don't have to be a disciple to see that. All of the pagans say, this guy teaches like one who has authority. And so Peter saw it firsthand. He was called an apostle. He was a leader of the 12. He was the one who got out of the boat and started walking on the water. You remember that? 
I mean, that's a relationship uh, that he has with Jesus Christ. And he was the first one to really grab the sword when they come to arrest Jesus and say, "Uh uh-uh, not in this day. Right? And so Peter's relationship with Jesus is bold. He was, was so bold that he said, he said to Jesus, if everyone else would forsake you, I never will. And then what happens? He denied him, didn't he? Three times. And so he collapsed under denial. And here we go. In John chapter 21, the Lord comes, Jesus comes, to restore the relationship with Peter. Why? Because Peter's relationship with Jesus Christ is not where it ought to be. Hello? I mean, he obviously believes, he obviously sees something, he obviously knows, but his relationship with Jesus is not where it ought to be. And so we would affirm that he's a believer, we would affirm that he believes, he, we affirm that he denied him. But listen, even at his denial, when the rooster crows, you remember what happened? He wept. He was broken. He went to repentance. That is the foundation of belief, is repentance when sin happens. And so we acknowledge that he's obviously a believer, but Jesus came to restore that relationship. And so let me set up John 21 for you. This is post-resurrection. Uh, Jesus has risen from the grave. He's appeared several times to the disciples. And, and, and Jesus tells his disciples, he says, I want you to go uh, to a mountain in Galilee. They obviously knew where that was. And so I want you to go to that mountain, wait in Galilee, and I'll, I'll meet you there. Okay, and so he tells him to go to the mountain, meet him there. Now look in verse 2, all right? This is chapter 21, verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. They said to him, well, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. The Lord said, go to the mountain, wait there in Galilee, and I'll come to you. And so they're there, they're gathered on the mountain. And what does Peter say? I'm not going to wait. I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. And the others say, well, I'm going to go. Well, 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 Peter, I mean, he's such a leader. Listen, listen, he's such a leader that even in his betrayal, even in his denial, he, he finds himself still in that leadership status of the disciples. And they're like, okay, Peter, whatever you say, we're going to go with you. You know what I learned this week in the, in the Greek te- of this text, in the Greek, it, it's worded like, I'm going to go back to do what I used to do. What did Peter used to do? He was a fisherman. And so Peter's like, I'm going to go back, man. I'm not doing this thing anymore. He may have been thinking, you know what? I, I've really failed as an apostle. You ever felt that way? Man, I, I really don't cut it very well as a, as a disciple. He may have been thinking, man, I bailed on Jesus 
I've let him down, and I know what that feels like. I've betrayed him three times. I mean, he's at an all-time low. And he's there on the mountain, and he says, I'm going fishing. It's almost like Peter's like, I'm going back on this whole thing. I don't think I can cut it. I don't want to do this anymore. And so he goes fishing. And so I want to ask you, where's your relationship with Jesus today? Have you ever felt like you're inadequate? Have you ever felt like you've dropped the ball? Have you ever felt like you've let the Lord God down? Have you ever felt that pull that says, you know what, I'm not sure I'm cut out for this thing. I'm just going to go and do something else. Now watch this, because verse 3 says they got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now Peter, I mean, listen, Peter, he's like, I failed as an apostle. I'm not a good follower of Jesus. I've let him down. I've denied him three times. I'm not doing this thing well. But one thing I do well is what? Fish. I can fish. And so I'm going to go do that because if anything, I can be successful at that. And so they spend all night fishing and what do they catch? Nothing. Because Jesus is in control of that also. So they catch nothing. Now, if you want to add discouragement to discouragement, Peter's like, I can't even get this. Look in verse 4. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the what? The shore. Hold on. Now Jesus said, go to where? A mountain. Go to a mountain. Wait there. But where does he go? He's standing on the shore. The reason why Jesus is standing on the shore is because the disciples didn't wait for him where he told them to wait for them. Now, parents, when you don't do something that you're told to do, what do you call that? Disobedience. All right, we got that one. All right, we know what that is. And so at some level right here, the disciples are disobedient. Now, let me point this out because every one of us at some point or another in our faith has disobeyed. James says, anyone who knows the good, what he ought to do and does not do it sins. We've all walked away from that. We've all walked out of that. And if we're honest and we read the scriptures and we put our lives on top of that, we fall short a lot. But hear me, because Jesus doesn't go to the mountain and is just like, I wonder where they are. Hmm? They know what time it is? I told them, I told them I was going to be here. Where are they? He doesn't sit there and think, well, I hope they come back soon. You know what? I hope that they realize that they're missing out. You know what? I hope that somehow they realize that they're disobedient. They'll realize they're disobedient and they'll come running back. So I'm just going to wait here. But rather, he goes and he finds them. Jesus stands on the shore. 
Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus wants to meet you right where you are? God is not a God that sits there and says, hey, one day you're going to realize you ran from me and I'm just waiting for you to come back. Jesus is the example of how God comes and meets us in the middle of our disobedience. Where are you at in your relationship with God today? Look at what happens in verse 5. Jesus went and stood on the shore, and Jesus said to them, children, he... Even in their disobedience, he calls them children. Some of you, you just need to hear that. Listen, because your kids disobey, it doesn't mean they're not your children. He says children. Now, now later in the text, it says that they're about 100 yards off. So it's probably not like this. Hey, children, you got any fish? It's probably like, hey, children. It's got to go 100 yards. Do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the nets on the other side of the boat and you'll find some. Do you remember when Jesus first called his disciples to himself? Where was he standing? On a shore. He met them right where they were. And he says, hey, you catch any fish today? No. Throw your nets on the other. You know, sometimes we think, we think, God, what are you, what are you doing? Right? God, what are, you, what are you doing? You think the fish know the difference between the right side of the boat and the left side of the boat? I mean, Jesus, I mean, don't you think we've tried that? He says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat, and they did it. And you know what Jesus does? He calls the fish and says, go in the net. (laughs) He controls that too. And so they throw their nets in. Now look in verse 7. They say, children, you got any fish? No, we don't have any fish. Cast your nets on the other side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it in, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. There's so many fish coming. All the fish are like, Jesus said, jump in the net. So we're all jumping in the net. (laughs) The disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, therefore said to Peter, Peter, it's the Lord. That's an exclamation mark, so I know he's excited. It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, listen, he didn't say, we'll be there in a minute. He didn't say, guys, 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 it's the Lord. Grab the oars. Let's let's get this thing going. What does he do? Look at what it says. He puts on his coat and he jumps in the water. It's the Lord. He grabs it. So, so he's fishing, right? And so he's probably in fishing garb, which is probably not much. And so he, he doesn't want to get his clothes wet. So he grabs his coat and he jumps in. And I know it's hard to swim in a coat, probably. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been fishing like that. But he jumps in, just like Peter fashion does. 
Peter just takes it to the extreme. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself in the sea. But the other disciples, a little smarter, the other disciples came in the boat. Because, of course, they're dragging the full net of fish, for they were not far from land, about 100 yards out. So this dude puts on his outer garment, which is probably like a dress. And he probably puts this thing on, and he jumps in, and he swims 100 yards to get to the shore. Pretty radical. Nine. When they got out on land, they saw the charcoal fire in place with the fish laid out on it and the bread. And Jesus said, hey, uh, bring some of the fish that you just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. You know why? Because the fish weren't trying to get away. Like I'm just chilling in the net. (laughs) Jesus said to them, hey, why don't you guys come and have breakfast with me? Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew that it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so Jesus uh, arrives on the shore. He calls his disciples to himself, right? Basically disobedient. And he says, I know you're not where you're supposed to be. I'm going to call you to myself, and I'm going to invite you to breakfast. Because listen, when you need to have a critical conversation, when you need to have one of those conversations to restore a relationship, it's always better after breakfast. Amen? (laughs) Hey, let's eat first. Make some fire, has some bread, some fish, and he gave to them. He invites them in. Hey, Hey, I'm not casting you out. I'm inviting you in. Where's your relationship with Jesus Christ at today? I pray that you would know that Jesus still invites you in. You see, Jesus sees relationship with him as the most valuable. Jesus sees your relationship with him as most valuable. Guys, listen to me. Do you know that Jesus treasures your heart? He so wants your heart. He so wants your heart because he knows that if he has your heart, it leads to your greatest, greatest, greatest joy. And so he so treasures your heart. So he has this conversation now with Peter because he wants to restore Peter. He knows Peter is not where he ought to be. Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, here's the conversation. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, Jesus may be saying, Peter, is it true that you love me more than the other guys? Isn't, what, wasn't that Peter's claim? Everyone else will say, I never will. Maybe. Maybe he's saying, Peter, do you love me more than this job? 
Peter, do you love me more than these fish? Look at all of these fish that you have. You got, your nets are full of fish. Do you love me more than these? He's asking them, do you love me supremely? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you not see? That is the foundational thing in our faith. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. There's faith there. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Why three times? I don't know. Maybe because Peter denied him three times. And Jesus wants to reconcile or restore that relationship each time he denied. But let me tell you something that I found out this week. When you look at the Greek wording of this passage, two times Jesus says, do you love me? The word for love that Jesus used is agapas, which is agape, supreme love. He says, do you love me supreme? Do you love me above all things? He says, do you agapes me? That is the supreme highest form of love. And he says, do you love me self-sacrificially? Now listen to this. When Peter replies to Jesus, he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And the word that Peter used is phileo which is a brotherly love. It's an affection. It's where we get the term Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? He says, yes, Lord, I have affection for you. Again, Jesus says, do you agape me? Do you agape? Do you self-sacrificially love me? And Peter says, you know I have affection for you. But the third time Jesus says, do you love me? He brings it down to Peter's term and says, Peter, do you phileo me? Do you love me like a brother? Maybe, maybe Peter was at a point in his faith where he was honest with Jesus He said, Lord, I don't know if I can actually claim supreme love. I don't know if I can actually admit that I love you supremely. But I have affection for you. And Peter was so grieved, not not because he asked him three times, But because the third time he brought it down a notch and said, do you have affection for me? 
And he said, Lord, you know, you know, I know you know everything. And so the third time he asked, are you sure that you can even claim affection? That's what Jesus is saying. Do you love me supremely? Do you love me supremely? Lord, you know I have affection for you. No, listen, do you really even have that for me? Because I look at your life, I look at what's going on, I look the way you acted, and I'm not sure you can even claim that. And Peter said, Lord, you know everything. It's almost like Peter is saying, don't, Lord, you know everything. Don't just look at the way that I've acted because you know that I love you. He's begging Jesus, will you just look at my heart? Will you reveal to me where I'm at? Because I'm not sure I can claim self-supreme love. I'm not sure I can claim sacrificial love. Uh, but but I, I know I have some affection. But Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. When you ask yourself, where are you at with the Lord Jesus Christ today? A very simple question is, do you love me? Is it the kind of affection that shows supreme self-sacrificial love? Here's the good news. Your relationship to Jesus is so valuable that Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at. Just be honest. Lord, I don't know if I can proclaim supreme love for you. I know I have some affections for you. Listen, Jesus meets you. Right where you're at. Now, now watch this. Verse 18. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep then. Truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you to where you don't want to go. He's saying, listen, when you were young, you used to do what you wanted to do. You used to go where you wanted, dress how you wanted, walk where you wanted, talk how you wanted. You used to do your thing. You were in control. But with me, listen, you're going to stretch out your hands, which is a, which is a way of saying you're, you're going to be crucified. You're going to be crucified. You're going to be bound in a way that you don't want to be bound. You're going to be taken in a way that you don't want to be taken. So when you were young, you used to do whatever you wanted. But now with me, listen, there's a sacrifice that's going to happen. He said this to show what kind of death was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. Listen, when you're looking at your relationship with Jesus, the foundation is your love for Christ. And the second is sacrifice. You're willing to sacrifice. Do you see, Jesus meets Peter right where he's at, and even though Peter could not confess supreme love, he still invites him. Listen, you could claim, Phileo, you could claim an affection for me. Okay. Okay, follow me. Okay, 
He still invites him. He still says, come and follow me. That's the message to the world. Listen, where are you at? And Jesus' invitation doesn't ever change. Come and follow me. That's what he says. So wherever you're at, Jesus is saying to you, I pray that you hear him saying to your heart, follow me. But listen, it'll cost your life. Cost your life. Are you willing to follow me? He says, take up your cross and follow me. Anyone who's not willing to take up his cross is not worthy to be my disciple. That's what he says in the Gospels. Now watch this, because Jesus says, follow me. And then he actually starts going somewhere. After saying this, he said to him, follow me. And Peter turned. It's going to be key. I'll circle that or underline that. Hey, it gives me hope. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, what's that word? Them. Okay. So Jesus says, follow me, and he starts walking somewhere. Peter obviously is following because it says them, which means Peter is with Jesus. And so they're walking somewhere, but what does Peter do? He turned around. Someone was following them. When someone's following you, that means they're where? They're behind you. And so Peter instantly, now listen, I don't know if they walked a few steps. I don't know if they walked a few hundred meters. I don't know how far they walked, but I know they're going somewhere. And Peter all of a sudden turns around and sees someone behind them. Peter, he turned. I know it doesn't take long in our white-knuckle effort to follow Jesus to just quickly turn around. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's John. The one who had been reclining at the table close to him and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? But when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, um, Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Listen, Peter is now no longer caring about Peter. He's worried about somebody else. Somebody else. I, I, uh, uh, now, God, I, I want to talk to you about somebody else. He's concerned immediately with John. Now, look at me. Where are you at with Jesus Christ today? And don't worry about anyone else at this moment. So many times we evaluate our walk with Jesus by looking at other people. Do we measure up? Am I worthy? Am I good enough? Am I faithful enough? And so I look at other people and I say, what about them, Lord? Doesn't matter about them. You 
follow me. Where's your relationship with the Lord Jesus today? Your love for the Lord will be foundational to your walk with God. Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at. Can we be honest with God? Have you ever learned that? I don't know if it's something I could teach you. Have you ever learned to be honest with God? Because we're we're so good at deceiving each other, aren't we? I mean, even as kids, they learn that. We're so good at pretending. We're so good at putting on the mask and, and looking like everything's okay. If I could just plead with you, one thing is just be honest with God. He knows it anyway. You're not fooling him. You're not playing games with him. Don't come in here and just simply play games. Can you be honest with God? Can you say in your voice, in your heart, with your mouth, to Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you this much. I'm going to just ask the band to come up, and we're just going to close. But I want you just for a moment to not, not worry about anyone else. Can you do that? Listen, if you can't do it here, you're not going to be able to do it. This is, this is, you know, I want this to be a place where it's okay not to be okay. And so we can come in and just simply be honest with God. And so right now I'm going to ask you just to, just to just close your eyes and, and put yourself in a place where you can just be with God right now. You and Jesus on a shore meeting you in your life. Hear the voice of God today say, where are you at? Jesus says, do you love me? Just answer him. Just be honest with him right now. Do you love me? Do you love me? Then follow me. Some of you right now, you just need to confess. Confess where you are. Be honest with God.
Verse 25 says, now there are many other things that Jesus did. For every one of them be written, I suppose the world would not, in itself, could not contain the books that would be written. Did you know that means that Jesus wants to meet you right here? He's still working. He's still moving. He still has authority. He still has power to overcome anything that you've done, any betrayal, any disobedience, anything that you've withheld, anything that has separated you from waiting on the Lord. Jesus is not done, and he's calling you, and he's saying to you today in a still, small voice, do you love me? Do you love me? And follow me. Today, may you have a joyous, fresh love for Christ. May you be willing to just pay whatever price. Will you just confess that to him? Will you just confess right now that you need help? You need to cry out to Jesus. Jesus, I need help following you. He will meet you right where you are. Maybe you're here and you've allowed your relationship to grow cold. Maybe some of you have walked away. Maybe some of you here have gone fishing. Maybe you've just simply stopped waiting on the Lord. Today, will you ask God to show up on the shores of your life to meet you where you are and invite you back into a right relationship, loving him and following him, no matter the Lord Jesus, I know that there's many in this room, including myself, that would, that with our mouth say that we believe. But Lord, today, will you help me love you? Will you help me love you? Lord, will you help me love you more? We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one have turned to his own way. Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus, I believe that you took my pain. You took my disobedience and you paid it in full. And so Jesus, my plea here this morning is will you help me love you? 
Help me follow you. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Lord. If that's you, I'll continue to encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to do that in your life and watch him show up. Again, I want to remind you that there's no right or wrong way to respond. Maybe you just need to sit and do some work with the Lord. Maybe you feel God restoring your relationship again and you can stand and worship and that's what he wants to do. And so I'll give you this time to respond to him. I love you guys.